Today's podcast is brought to you by Howie's new book, Paperboy. To order today, go to HowieCarshow.com and click on store. Live from the Aviva Trattoria studio, it's the Grace Curley Show. we got to bring in a new voice, a young voice, a rising voice, Grace Curley. You can read Grace's work in the Boston Herald and the Spectator. Especially Grace, Grace, stand up. Here's the millennial with the mic, Grace Curley. We are back here on the Grace Curley Show. I am not Grace Curley. I am a millennial, just barely. I'm Aaron Chadbourne, broadcasting up from Maine in the WGAN studios. It's great to be with you. I am the former senior policy advisor to Paula Page. I sell real estate in Maine. And um, I love all things politics. And all, all I, I host Inside Maine here on WGAN. And big fan of the Grace Curley Show and the Howie Car Radio Network. So thanks to Grace for letting me sit in while she travels back from her ski weekend. Hopefully everyone was safe and, and had some good snow. It's, it, we haven't had a great winter, so you've got to take your moments when you can find them. And obviously, we're covering all the stories that are breaking today. We, we've spent a lot of time on immigration, uh, on this border bill, on what's coming from the from the Senate, um, and and kind of breaking down. And there, there's been other stuff in the news as well. CNN just announcing, by the way, and I know, Jared, you pay close attention to what's going on at CNN, by which I mean no one watches CNN, so no one cares. Um, but they they're announcing a shakeup to their morning show and their and their morning lineup. Which remember they moved Don Lemon to the mornings. Like that was I think the beginning of the end for for CNN morning viewership. And so uh, Poppy Harlow and Phil Mattingly are are out. Uh, they don't know what their next role will be. Jim Acosta is back in at 10 a.m. So uh, all we know is that no one is going to continue watching CNN uh, as they continue to to become irrelevant. But. The big story today, of course, is that the Senate has released what it's calling its bipartisan budget deal. It is considered right now in a statement by the Speaker and the Republican leadership, DOA, dead on arrival in in the Congress. And and the Congress really has, under Speaker Johnson's leadership, under Kevin McCarthy before it, had put out their proposal. Someone who knows a lot about how Congress works is former Congressman Bruce Poliquin, used to serve the 2nd District in Maine, and joins us now on the line. Bruce, thanks for being with us. Uh, good to talk to you, Aaron. Glad to be here. This is a really uh, important issue for the country. I'm um, glad to have a chance to weigh into your audience. Jim Grace's audience. Well, you know, you served in the House, Bruce, with Speaker Johnson and, and Representative Stefanik and Tom Emmer. And you know these people who are now on the receiving end of this bipartisan deal that's been hammered out in the Senate. As we've been talking about it this morning, I've said, you know, the, the people on the left all say, well, the H.R. 2, the Republicans proposal was dead on arrival in the Senate. And now now your former colleagues are saying this is dead on arrival in, in, in the House. How do you see this playing out? This is the, um, the best chance that a very small majority here in the House of Representatives, a very small Republican majority, the best leverage they have. So the Senate bill will not pass in the House. Uh, it's $118 billion, and it's for uh, aid for Israel, Ukraine, Taiwan, and for Gaza. And a lot of that money goes to the wrong people. On top of that, the only border issue that has any kind of, you know, clout at all, and I don't think it has much at all, is if the illegal crossings go up to 5,000 a day, then the president can, if he wants to, shut down the border. Well, that's ridiculous. I mean, they're 15,000 a day now, and that's been going on for quite some time. So it's a non-starter in the House. Mike Johnson's a, a great friend. He's very conservative. He gets it. And this is the only uh, leverage they have 
uh, H.R. 2, which is the House bill, uh, they will likely um, vote on that this week, along with impeaching Mayorkas, who's the Secretary of Homeland Security. That has funding only for Israel, and on top of that, has all kinds of border security issues, um, like um, um, you know, like additional funding, um, bring back uh, or end rather catch and release, um, you know, more agents, uh, and uh, and it gets rid of you know, executive privilege when it comes to doing what the heck they want on the border. So so they're going to vote on H.R. 2. The House will this week. It'll likely pass, but it'll be close because the majority is so narrow. Uh, and the House bill, excuse me, the Senate bill will not pass in the House, in my opinion. No, I think you're absolutely right, Bruce. And I think that what concerned me, too, and what you were just saying that's in the bill is so much of it gives discretion to the administration. And 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 if you had a President Trump, probably if you had a President Bruce Poliquin, you would probably see an administration that would enforce the border and that would use that. But with the Obama administration, with the Biden administration, with the policies, with what they've done, with the way in which Secretary Mayorkas has ignored the law to date, why would anyone want to give this administration more discretion when it comes to the border? Well, only the Democrats will do it only because they expect to get new voters. Uh, there are 8 million people, Aaron, since Biden has been in the White House, have come over the border illegally. And those are the ones that, that, that the Border Patrol agents have, have, have identified. There are a couple million more getaways that they weren't able to apprehend. Uh, and then they just released them anyway. I'll tell you, when I was down there, uh, the four years I served, two with Obama, two of the Trump people, um, and we had a secure border when Trump was down there. We did not have this problem. But as soon as Biden came in, he unwound everything that worked. Uh, I remember when I went down there and toured the border, Aaron, in January 2022, and uh, I couldn't believe what I saw, first of all. Uh, for example, 70 percent of the agents on the southwest border are pushing paper. They yeah. are not enforcing our border security. Second of all, a lot of these agents from the northern Canadian border, including Maine, are being flown down to the southwest border to help out, which makes us more exposed you know, along the northern border. Uh, I, local, I, I visited local PD stations along the border. They're stacked you know, with uh, illegal drugs in their storage rooms. Sentinels pouring over, and the jails are full of folks that shouldn't be in the country. Of course, they're going to be released soon into the heartland. It's yeah. an absolute disaster. The House will not pass the Senate bill, and they should not. Uh, but they will pass H.R. 2, but it'll be very close. No, I, I think that's what people want to see. I think so many voters, though, Bruce, have just been used to, you know, Republicans will go down. They'll talk a good story to get elected. They'll say they're do something on immigration. And then and then and then Republican voters are used to seeing some kind of weaker policies emerge. And they say, oh, well, we've got to compromise. And I just don't understand why Republicans would compromise right now when the American people have woken up to what's happening at the border and they can see the very real crisis. Yep, yeah, you're right. Uh, the American people have given the House of Representatives, the Republicans in the House, a very slim majority. If this cycle they give the Republicans a majority in the Senate and they give us a Republican in the White House, this can be fixed very quickly. Uh, but they haven't done that. And you get what you vote for. And that's what uh, that's where we uh, that's where we stand right now. Now, I know you're not running this cycle, but you're obviously paying close attention to what's happening in your old district, to what's happening around the country. 
When you see this matchup of Trump v. Biden, do you think that it's going to have a, a positive effect for Republicans to take a, a, a bigger majority in the House and to take a governing majority in the Senate? Uh, I do, but it's going to be very close. There are only about 20 seats here and uh, out of 435 in the House of Representatives, about 20 or 25, that are true swing districts that can go either way. Uh, Main second district, the rural part of the state that I represented for four years, is one of those. And the fellow that represents the district now uh, is someone who um, is a big spender, uh, you know, and is big part of this Green New Deal that's costing us a fortune, shutting down, you know, our energy supplies, uh, open border guy. Uh, you know, he's just on the wrong side of these issues. So depending on what the national mood will be, you know, in another 10 months, I think we have a very good chance with our candidates that are in the primary now. One of them will emerge to face uh, Jared Gold, and I like their chances. Uh, but uh, people get what they vote for. Well, if Shanna Bellows lets them on the ballot, right? <laughs> yeah, <laughs> that's true, too. That's true, too. And Bruce, like in the remaining time that I have left with you, we got another minute left. I just want to know, like, do you think that, you know, before the election, do you think something can actually happen? Or do you think that, like, this is just Democrats trying to trying to switch the issue and blame it on Republicans? Because I think the Republicans have the momentum showing that the Biden Biden is wrong for the border. Biden's wrong for America. Biden and this proposal don't really do what they claim to do. And I think Democrats are trying to shift the blame to Republicans. saying, well, hey, we tried and Republicans can't govern. Do you think it'll work? Or are the American people kind of wise to what's actually going on? Depends what the president of the United States does. Mr. Biden is the fellow who opened up the border with the support of guys like Jerry Golden and Shelly Pingree and the Democrats, you know, in the House. So, they, they, you know, their fingerprints are all over this. They're the ones that caused this mess. And, of course, they're trying to push that on the uh, on the Republicans now. I think the Republicans hold tough. I do. Um, I think they pass it this week in the House. But then, remember, it has to be passed by the Senate, uh, Aaron, and uh, I'm, I'm suspect if they'll uh, or doubt rather they'll pass it in the Senate. And then, of course, Biden would have to sign it. I don't think he does that. Here's the problem for, for Biden and for the folks who created this mess is that this is going to get worse until it's fixed. I, mean, I preached about this for several years, and it's, you know, I hate to say this, but it's happening. It's going to continue to get worse. The fentanyl, the crime, the look at in Maine, look at our home state of Maine where now they're opening up homeless shelters for illegals instead of for our own U.S. citizens. That's not right. It's not fair. Well, just and look at what they did at Logan Airport. Look at what they're doing in Roxbury now, where they're where they're they're closing schools to fill them with people from not from this country. And there's there's no sign in sight of when this is going to end. Independence will determine this election like they usually do, Aaron. I'm hopeful uh, that independents uh, will lean right and say, we cannot go on like this as a country. Our country needs to get back to normal. This is not normal. Shutting down our energy supplies and forcing us to drive electric vehicles is not normal. Eight million people in this country we don't know is not normal. Uh, what they're teaching our kids in school to hate each other and hate this country is not normal. We've got to get back to normal. I hope independents give Republicans a chance to govern because they will bring us back to normal. 
Bruce Poliquin, he's the former congressman from Maine, 2nd District. Bruce, I know I speak for so many of us when we say we wish you were still in Congress instead of Jared Golden, uh, but really do appreciate you joining us here on the Grace Curley Show to help us break down this uh, this border deal. Uh, my pleasure, Aaron. Grace and Howie and all the folks down there are just terrific. We love them all. And go Bruins. Remember, they come <laughs> back from an eight- or nine-day break, and they're playing tomorrow night. I'm going to be at the game. I can't wait. The one bright spot in New England in New England sports. <laughs> Thanks, Bruce. Always good to talk to you. I know you're traveling today, so safe travels uh, wherever you are, wherever you're heading. Uh, You're listening to The Grace Curley Show. I'm Aaron Chadborn filling in for Grace today. We'd love to hear more from you. 844-500-4242 is the number here on The Grace Curley Show. We'll take a lot more of your calls when we come back from the break. You're listening to The Grace Curley Show. This is the Grace Curley Show. We are back on the Grace Curley Show. I'm Aaron Chadbourne sitting in for Grace. Have no fear. She'll be back tomorrow. I'm sure she'll tell you all about her ski trip. She'll give you her thoughts on Taylor Swift. Did she or didn't she snub Celine Dion? Was she winning gracefully or was it too much? Um, maybe she'll even talk about the royal family. The royal family, the, the Chiron right now on uh, Fox News is King Charles diagnosed with form of cancer. Didn't we know it was his prostate? Like, didn't, wasn't that already apparent? I don't know if that's been officially announced, but yeah, I, don't. I form, mean, form of cancer. I, They've just updated it. They've updated it. Okay, it was weird. It was awkward. Now it says King Charles diagnosed with, oh, no, back to form of cancer. It's, it's King Charles has cancer. I mean, it happens. Men of a certain age, prostate cancer, if caught early enough, is very treatable. Um, but it's, uh, yeah, so it's a day for the, they, they're all in the hospital these days. I don't know. They can't stay out of it. I guess it's the aging monarchy. Not a big royal watcher myself. Maybe I'll become the royal correspondent for the Grace Curley Show. Um, we are talking a lot about immigration today and this this deal that's come out of the U.S. Senate on border border security in, in theory. But it's really about funding Ukraine. It's about funding the Israel crisis. It's giving humanitarian aid to Gaza. And then there are some provisions about the border. And that's what today's poll question focuses on. And, and of course, today's poll question is brought to you by Rizzo Insurance. When was the last time you had your insurance audited? I'll tell you, Jared, in Maine, we just had these storms that came through. There was a lot of water damage and flood damage. And a lot of people don't know what's in their insurance, whether they have enough coverage, the right type of coverage, what it covers, what it doesn't. Rizzo Insurance will do their insurance audit. It saved one of our coworkers here at the Howie Car Show. Um, Howard Car Radio Network saved over $1,700. And that's that's what you want to do. You want to have the right kind of coverage. Make sure you're not overpaying. To get your insurance audited, go to RizzoInsurance.com. All right, Jared, what do we got for the poll question? Today's poll question, which you can vote in at GraceCurleyShow.com, is do you think Congress will pass the Senate border package or wait for a better deal if Trump is elected? I think they're going to hold fast and wait. 49% say no, they'll stand their ground. 51% believe they'll cave. Very it's gone close. up a little bit. That's gone up. There are a few more agreeing with me than they were in the first hour. I do think that, like, because, like, why would you cave at this point and take what they just offered? Bruce Poliquin did, um, and he joined us the last segment, former Congressman Bruce Poliquin, and he said there's kind of this third option, too, I think is what he was saying, is that 
the House Republicans right now, they have leverage to negotiate a better deal than what the Senate negotiated. So go ahead and let James Lankford negotiate what he's going to negotiate. And then now they can have the real negotiation between the House and the Senate and and get real border security. But that's what it's going to have to be for any Republican to support it. I don't know why you would support it in this year where it's become so clear to the American people what's at stake in this election that you either electing Joe Biden and Alejandro Mayorkas, these people that aren't going to enforce the, the the law, or you're going to, or 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 you're going to, you know, you really take it seriously, make a change, and that's what the Trump administration did the first time, um, and that's one of the reasons they came after him. Uh, but it's 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 a real choice. But why would you give the issue away right now? And why would you water it down? Why would you do something serious? And so much of what's in this bill, and I think this is the real problem, is it goes toward. Um, trying to assist more people in qualifying for asylum, securing them and creating that pathway, doing it faster, doing it easier. And, and I think that's what people are objecting to. And we can debate those things later, but the time for debating how you, you smooth the asylum process to make it easier is after you've secured the border so that you know we're not being overrun by these foreign nationals from all these other countries. Um, I mentioned a couple times the, the 60 Minutes um, piece yesterday that aired, and because it was so mainstream and it was showing who's actually coming, we'll play a couple of those clips um, coming up uh, later in the show. And at, at 2 o'clock, I want to talk to Christopher Healy. He's a Homeland Security expert and analyst. Uh, he has experience in in Border Patrol and working with ICE. And he'll tell us like what actually matters in this bill. Is it going to do what we hoped it would do uh, and, and, and are Republicans right to stand their ground. And I really hope that Republicans do because they're, they're, this, this is the, it's the real issue. It's the policy issue of our lifetime of whether or not the United States is going to have sovereign borders, whether we're going to defend our homeland, defend the country, or whether we're going to let it be completely overrun. And I'm not saying that from replacement theory, although there is, there is definitely a, um, you know, whether whether they're trying to create new voters on the left or whether they're trying to get them counted in the census so that they can reapportion the voting maps and change which federal resources go to which state, there's definitely an agenda at play here. And that agenda isn't the America first agenda. It's not about making sure that we take care of the people who are living here, who pay their taxes, who are struggling. It's It's really about reshaping this country and making it something different. And that's where we're seeing all of it. And Bruce Poliquin, to his credit, I, I want to say that he, he was really good in bringing up um, the fact that, that, you know, so much of what they're doing is about control to let you know that they're in charge. You can't decide what you drive. You can't decide what you eat. You can't decide during COVID. You couldn't even leave your house. It's about government control and changing our way of life. It's about a lifestyle. In America, the people coming in here, they want more freedom. We want more freedom. What happened to us? We'll talk more about it and take your calls when we come back. I'm Aaron Chadburn filling in for Grace Curley here on The Grace Curley Show. Live from the Aviva Trattoria studio. Welcome back to the Grace Curley Show. I'm not Grace Curley. I'm Aaron Chadbourne sitting in while Grace is off today. She will be back tomorrow. 
Someone asked, where's Caroline Levitt? Caroline Levitt is currently traveling the country helping to try to elect Donald Trump. She's national press secretary for the Trump for President campaign. We'll often talk to her, of course. But while she's away and Grace is off, I'm happy to fill in. I'm coming to you live from Maine, thanks to the Portland Radio Group and WGAN up here in Maine for letting me do it. Um, but it's always great to talk with the Grace Curley audience and, and be part of the Howie Carr Radio Network. So thank you for having me. Thank you for indulging me. For those of you who don't know me, I'm former senior policy advisor to Governor Paula Page. Uh, wish he was still the governor up here in Maine. I know we could use him in Massachusetts too. All what Maura Healy's doing and what we're seeing, you know, Mayor Wu and 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 again, what we're seeing at the federal level is the prioritization of people pouring in through the border over the people who already live here, over our communities, and and it's that prioritization that's just wrong and that's off. Anyway, so many of you are calling in. We'd love to have you be part of the show. Eight four four five hundred forty two forty two is the number to join the conversation here on the Grace Curley Show. Let's go to Tom. Tom, welcome to the Grace Curley Show. Hey, thanks for taking my call. Uh, and I, I would say one thing to uh, the lady that's handling uh, Trump's, uh, I guess she's a spokesperson. Trump has got to go to Roxbury and deal with what has happened to that community with regards to 400 beds in a, in a uh, community center. And the same thing is, is happening out in Chicago as well as New York. And you're going to see a lot of black Democrats realize that, whoa, 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 wait a minute. Here we've been loyal to the Democratic Party. You're dumping these, these immigrants or migrants, illegals, whatever you want to call them. Uh, I call them illegals, but you're dumping them in our communities. They're giving them benefits that we're not entitled to. And there's a lot of anger out there. And Trump is a lightning rod. And if he were to go to Roxbury, yes. Would he have people out there protesting, screaming at him? Of course he would. He'd also have people that would be there listening to him. And Trump has said he's going to do a massive deportation. And I agree with him 100%. You don't just get to show up to this country. You know, and I don't care what your excuse is. And I understand that there are asylum seekers from certain countries like Afghanistan that helped out our troops. I don't have a problem with people like that coming to this country. But if you're some poor slob from Venezuela, what, we're supposed to take you in? I mean, one third of the world lives in poverty. We can't, I mean... Do we want to turn into India to have a billion people in this country? Well, I think you're right that I think if Trump went to the border, and thanks for the call, Tom, I think if Trump went to the border that it would really bring attention to this issue in a way that people aren't really realizing. If it doesn't affect your community, if you haven't seen it, although by and large, and I, I give a lot of credit to Governor Abbott in Texas for, for the buses that he sent to these to these sanctuary cities to let them know what's actually going on and what it actually is like when you have these unexpected arrivals and, and, and spread that burden throughout the country. But 
I think you're right that Trump should go to Roxbury show and shed a national light. It worked in East Palestine, right? When there was the toxic chemical spill and Joe Biden was nowhere in sight. Joe Biden, of course, now trying to you know make it up to them as he's heading toward reelection. But I think Donald Trump has the unique ability to be in touch with the American people and what they're going through, understand it and, and shine a light on it. So I think that would be great. Your comments too, um, Tom, and I do appreciate the call. They 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 raise what I think a lot of people don't understand is that the people coming across the border, a lot of people assume that it's just people who are coming from um, the these these close in countries from Central America, from poverty, trying to escape, you know. Hugo Chavez type regimes, but that's not what we're seeing. We're seeing people from all over the world exploit the vulnerability in the border so much so. And I alluded to this earlier in the show so much so that the mainstream media can't ignore it anymore. Just yesterday, last night, I was watching 60 Minutes, which I know I'm an old soul. I still watch it, even though, you know, back when Dan Rather ran that expose on on George W. Bush, um, I was all done taking it seriously. But when the mainstream media has to show you what's going on at the border, you know that we've turned a corner. Let's go ahead, Jarrett, and play uh, from last night, 60 Minutes. Let's play clip nine. And 30 minutes after that, another group. Over four days, we witnessed nearly 600 migrants, adults and children, pass through this hole and onto U.S. soil unchecked. We saw people from India, Vietnam and Afghanistan. Right. So the CBS sends their camera crew. They're down at the end of this edge of the border fence. And remember, they told us that fences weren't necessary. The wall doesn't work. But right at the very end of the fence, between where the fence ends and the and the, the the natural barriers, the rocks, the mountains are right there. They're watching these people flow through. And every 30 minutes, she says at the beginning, every 30 minutes, a caravan shows up, a car, a smuggler, and a group of people get out. And they're being paid every 30 minutes. These groups come out. They stood there and they saw hundreds of people pouring through it. And they weren't people just from the neighboring countries. Did you see what she said? She said they were coming from other other countries, from India, from Afghanistan. Why are they be having to sneak in? If they're really political asylum, there should be an asylum process for people from Afghanistan who are worried about being beheaded by the Taliban because of what Joe Biden did and how he left Afghanistan, the manner in which we did it, the manner in which we handed all of our, our, our ammunition over to the Taliban. But it's not just about, you know, the, it's no longer it's no longer people coming in the next country over. People are coming from all over the world, passing through Mexico. And so you'd assume, right, they're all Spanish speakers. Go ahead, play clip 10. So I'm a um, native Spanish speaker. I have been able to rely on being bilingual in doing this work for the duration that I have been doing it. And in this past year, I mean, there's been times that I've come to the sites and not spoken to a single Spanish speaker. Wow. Right, that tells you who's coming over. And a big focus of the story last night is that so many of the migrants coming across the border and sneaking across the border, coming through these gaps, are 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 Chinese nationals. They're Chinese citizens who are coming. And why are they coming? I don't know. I'm not going to speculate. You know, some of them say for freedom to get away from the Chinese Communist Party. Don't blame them. But there there's a process now. Chinese. Migrants were granted, uh, they, they were granted a lot more visas before, and they've had to crack down. And I think Trump really changed the dynamic when it came to our relationship with China. And Biden has, you know, he obviously is beholden to the Chinese overlords and has treated them very differently. But one interesting thing, and I, I wasn't aware of this, when a Chinese national is, when, the, when we go to deport them, 
if their country won't take them back and won't grant them their passport back, and China often will do that when someone defects and says they want to seek asylum in the United States, they'll cancel their passport and not accept them back. So now they're in limbo status and we've got them. So we let them in. Now, I'm not going to go down the conspiracy theory rabbit hole. However, when we're finding a lot of, and and, in 60 Minutes, they showed it in their video, a lot of military age single men coming across the border from a country like China, you have to ask who's paying for it, who's getting them there, and are they really coming on their own volition or is there some coordination either by an actor, whether it's the government of China or whether it's an outside group that doesn't mean us well. And they're not coming because they want to support America. They're not coming to necessarily make sure that we do better. A lot of these people, again, they could be legitimate cases of asylum, looking for a better life, looking to escape tyranny. But the overwhelming majority of these cases are dismissed. Their claims are denied. So that's not what's being found. They're looking to get something for themselves. And I don't, I don't, again, I don't, anyone who is trying to better their life or seek something better, I don't blame them for that or, or for their kids or for the next generation. But we have to secure our country first, right? In the airplane, you put on your mask first and then you help the child next to you. You've got to make sure you take care of the country and then we can think about how we help the problems of the world. And it can't be by letting anyone sneak in. Now, the the, the border wall where there's that gap that they were filming on 60 Minutes, watching the stream come through, that's on someone's land. The guy owns 70 acres and he said he's tried to apprehend people. He's tried to stop them and, and he got in trouble. He got in trouble with authorities because they said that he confronted and pulled a gun on someone that was coming onto his property, which I'll tell you, if you were coming onto my property, if you were sneaking across a fence, I don't think I would take too kindly, but I would be doing what Texas is doing and I'd erect my own barriers and say, no, this is my private property. What are you doing? But, but, but then, you know, 60 minutes says, oh, well, why doesn't the government do something about it? Like they're, they're just now figuring out that, A, walls work, and number two, the government should be doing something. And they're encountering Border Patrol, who's very frustrated because they say, we're not even allowed to do anything until they've actually illegally crossed in. Then we can catch them, process them, release them. Catch and release. So go ahead, play clip 11, because I think this is telling. Have you said to anybody, hey, there's this giant hole, they're coming through, how about patching that up? They know that thing is there. And uh, we we all been telling them, hey, when this thing gonna quit over here? You gotta call Washington D.C. That's what they say. So we did. U.S. Customs and Border Protection told us their agents don't have authority to stop people from coming through gaps like this one, and can only arrest them after they've entered illegally. As for closing that gap, they said it is on their priority list but would require money from Congress. Yeah, the money was there. Trump figured out how to move the money. He declared an emergency. He made it available. And what was the first thing Biden did was to rescind every single authorization during the Trump years and to not fund it. So when Biden says, I need the authority, I need the money, I don't think anyone trusts that they're actually, they know border security, customs, border officials, the hardworking men and women in law enforcement know what needs to be done, but this administration is not giving them the support to do it. When we come back, let's take your calls. 844-500-4242 is the number here on The Grace Curley Show. I'm Aaron Chadbourne in for Grace. We'll be right back after this. Hi, it's Toby from Cape Gunworks. I'm taking all your firearm and self-defense questions every Tuesday. Join Grace and me for 2A Tuesday, Tuesdays at 2 p.m.
This is The Grace Curley Show. So, Jared, no one cares about King Charles. And, of course, he has announced a cancer diagnosis. We have sympathies, best recovery for him. But, like, I can't imagine anyone cares that he canceled his public appearances. However, I read the release because I was just curious. I was like, didn't they tell us he had prostate cancer? No. It said, during the King's recent hospital procedure for benign prostate enlargement. So, they thought it was benign. A separate issue of concern was noted. Subsequent diagnostic tests have identified a form of cancer. So they're still not telling us if it's prostate cancer. It could be colon cancer, which I think is worse. So hopefully, anyway, best wishes for him, for anyone dealing with cancer or illness. Obviously, don't want to see that. But I just think, you know, the, 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 the royal family and the, the they're like, oh, well, he can't perform his official duties. Like, I think the monarchy has outlived its usefulness. So I'm not sure that anyone's really upset. I guess you had tickets. You thought you were going to see the King of England and you don't get to see him. Like, you'd be disappointed, but life goes on. Um, and anyway, best wishes to him for a speedy recovery. If you'd like to join the conversation here on the Grace Curley Show, I'm Aaron Chadburn filling in for Grace. The phone number is 844-500-4242. Let's take Dan. Dan, welcome to the Grace Curley Show. Oh, thanks, Aaron. Appreciate you taking the call. And uh, I wish Paula Page was back, too. Oh, we miss him. He'd be way better than what we have now, I'll tell you that. No kidding. Hey, i got a couple of questions. Uh, The first one is, um, I thought our government, specifically the State Department, designated certain states as places from which we would accept asylum seekers because of whatever's going on in that country. Afghanistan is an example, okay? Uh, But it's not just every single country in the world. So if that's the case, why are we even considering asylum claims from people who are not from countries from which we have designated as places from which people need to seek asylum. So that's the first question. And the other one has to do with uh, people jumping, going across countries to get here. I thought that they had to seek asylum at the first country they came to. And invariably, unless it's from Mexico or Canada, it's not uh, any of these other countries that they're coming from. Uh, I'll let you answer. I'll let you go. Okay. All right. Thanks for the call, Dan. I appreciate it. I think so. Part of your first question about whether it's specific countries or not, I think it has to do with the difference between refugee populations and asylum seeking populations. So refugee, you actually have to get official status. There are certain designated countries where the U.S. has a certain number of refugees that come in. And those refugees, by the way, are come through a very organized process. When they arrive here, there are health screenings and other things that happen. Asylum is completely different. People show up at the border and they claim asylum. And by the way, because people were showing up and considered to be illegal entrants to the country, what advocates in the community figured out for, for, for greater immigration is that in order to get a legal status, just claim, say, I want asylum. Well, just because you want it doesn't make it true. So you're right to point out, Dan, that a lot of people might not qualify or they might not be coming from a hostile environment, but you can claim asylum from any country. So there, there isn't a restriction on that. Um, and so I, I think it's, it's really, you know, a, a good question though. Like, why would we take them from anywhere? And it speaks to what's in this bill. The bill wants to go and say, we're going to make the asylum process non-adversarial. We're not going to, we're not going to challenge any of the questions. We're just going to guide you through the step-by-step questions that you have to correctly answer if you want to be granted asylum. 
And I think it's really meant toward coaching them to admit more people and get their outcomes to be affirmative, that they're allowed to stay. And and the I would prefer that we actually scrutinize anyone that's claiming asylum to say whether or not you actually are. And sure, like, is the court process broken? Absolutely. Should, should we do it? But you're right. They should have to do it the first country. The Trump policies remain in Mexico. A lot of that was working. And Biden dismantled it, which I think is why um, we need serious change. Um, let's take next Paul. Go ahead, Paul. Hey, guys. Thank you for taking my call. I appreciate it. And good job today, by the way. Thanks for calling, Paul. Appreciate it. Um, you know, I've been working in construction since the late 80s, and we've always had a problem with illegal immigration in this country. The, the, the biggest problem is the American people. The American people didn't give a damn when I was struggling looking for jobs. They didn't care. But now, decades and decades later, the immigrants are coming over here, and, you know, it's now affecting the white-collar community and how they live, the hotels and all that stuff. Now it's a problem, you know? <laughs> well, what about, what about back in the day when I was losing work because the illegal immigrants were undercutting me? Nobody gave a damn. And here we are today, oh, oh, illegal immigrants. Hey, I got news for you. This has been coming the last 30 years, and now it's here, you know? And the problem is, on both sides of the party, we keep voting Republican and Democrat. It's time we all get together and focus on getting these two monopolies out of politics because they're both responsible for the decay of this country. And anyone who pledges their allegiance to the Republican or Democrat party is part of the problem. Good points, Paul. I think it's always been about corporate interest and, and trying to get cheap labor. So I think you're absolutely right to point it out. And I think both parties are at fault and both parties are captive to corporate interest and to money. Um, I think we got about a minute left. Let's try to get to Donald. Donald, go ahead. You're here on the Grace Curley show. Yes. Uh, the, you know, uh, President Trump's the only one we can trust on the border because uh, you, you look at Nikki Haley, she is the same, she's funded in large part of the CCP. So how can we trust her with the fentanyl pouring into the country? Okay, she has the same China don- donor money as Joe Biden. Okay, and she's bankrolled by the Koch brothers who are for illegals and cheap labor. Appreciate the call, Donald. Thanks for making the point. My only response to that is like, I, like Nikki Haley's never been a real candidate in this race. It's not competitive. Trump's the nominee. It's been decided since before it even started. When we come back, we'll talk to Christopher Healy. He's a Homeland Security expert. He'll help us understand a little bit more about what's in that spill. Stay tuned here on The Grace Curley Show.